I'm going to continue on in our series this morning. I love my church. This is part six of this uh, little series that came spontaneously as the Lord led, um, brought us out of really Easter Sunday, and we looked at some things about the local church and church life and all these sorts of things. And this morning, I really want to look at this topic. I love my church, but I'm not feeling it. I love my church. But I'm not feeling it. Sometimes it's like that. We know we love the church. We know we love the Lord. But sometimes we just don't feel it. Because feelings go up and down and left and right and all ways in between. So this morning I really want to talk about mental health. Anybody here, don't answer me, has issues with mental health? Answer, everybody. Why? Because you all think you'll have a brain. So all of us, it's like anything else. Good, sometimes bad, sometimes okay, just like physical health. We all, we all um, are, are, have brains. We all think, we, we all kind of suffer some of these things you may, may think about, have suffered, have gone through, whatever it may be. Some of it is circumstance. Some of it is um, just living in a world, and we're going to see this, that's fallen. Some of it, I believe, is, is medical. Some people will say, oh, no, 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 no you know, there's no such thing. But the reality is, when people do that, they they treat the brain as something that's not physical. And although the brain is is marvelously complex, it's still an organ that's working in our body. Sometimes, some people don't function in the right way. This is what it is. Sometimes, there's chemicals that are flying around that don't make us think the way we normally think. Married men... Sometimes there's chemicals floating around in your wife that don't make her think normally, right? Josh, you're okay. You're safe space. Safe space. Kind of rolls around once a month. That, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it, that's what's going on. It's hormones. Changes behaviors at times. Some people, and I've experienced this in, in my church, and I've seen it, where there's just something broken in there. Now, let me caveat, before I get into this kind of talking about mental health, here's what I want to say. This topic, this subject, and this kind of issue is being misused like every other issue by human beings. Sometimes it's a crutch, it's a cop-out. Rather than take accountability and responsibility, we just want to blame it on, on mental health. And that's not right. But we do that with everything else. We're human beings, we have a sin nature, and that's what we do. We abuse things. We, 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 we're not honest about things and we take advantage. That's what happens. That's human, human nature. But when we're dealing with, with mental health, and again, you're taking these statistics with a little bit of a pinch of salt, but you know, any statistic, you, you, know, the, the, you can make numbers do what they want. But ultimately, when you're dealing with statistics like this within health circles, and this is from secular health, no matter if the statistics out, it's still pointing to something. And in um, 
in health organizations now, what they say is that one in four people suffer or have experienced, have gone through something they will call mental health class. One in four people. That's what they say. Now, whether you say it's one in four or not, it still points to something. There's, a, there's an issue out there. There's an issue out there. The World Health Organization says that between 35 and 50% of people with severe mental health problems in developing countries, 85% of people in developing countries with severe mental health problems have never received any treatment whatsoever, whatever that may be. I'm not here to talk about treatments and the right and wrong. I'm just talking about nobody has addressed that with them. That's a startling figure. And we're not talking about, I'm having a down day here. We're talking about bipolar, schizophrenic, severe mental health issues. 35 and 50% of people. Furthermore to this, let's, let's build on this. People with a diagnosed mental health condition have been uh, shown to be at a higher risk of attempting suicide um, with more than 90% of suicides, according to the figures, having been found to be associated with somebody that is going through mental health issues. Whatever that may be. 90%. You know, I was raised in Northern Ireland. And Northern Ireland, this is high, but it's the highest suicide rate for men in the UK. Highest suicide rate for men in the UK. About 30 suicides per 100,000 men. Now, Northern Ireland has a rough population of about 2 million. So for it to be so high, 30 per, per, uh, per 100,000. Now, these are oldish figures, probably about six years old. Highest rate of suicide among young men in Northern Ireland. And even more alarming is when you look across the world, this rate is increasing. Increasing, increasing, increasing. Now we know that this world is falling further and further away as we wait the return of the Lord. We know that. Society is crumbling. Western society especially is crumbling. The fabric, the blueprint that God has put in is being removed and everything else is going downhill with it. It That's what it is. But these figures should touch our souls. This is increasing across the world. Let me, let me give you this figure. From 1980 to 2018 in Northern Ireland, it shows an increase of 200% in the number of deaths of suicide. Now that's up to 2018. And it's going that way. It's going that way. This is a problem, folks. It's a problem. And when you delve into the data, you're, you're presented, whatever way you want to present statistics, but you delve into the data, you cannot deny there is a huge problem with people's thinking in the world today with mental health. And that is connected in with the hopelessness that the secular world, that the atheist world is presenting. You can't deny that. People are going, this is pointless, this is hopeless. And they're checking out. They're checking out. The evidence is everywhere. 
It's a broken world with broken people, and that produces the statistics that we see, as sad as they are. But that's a secular world. What about the spiritual world? And by spiritual world, I mean the church. I mean the body of Christ. I mean those that are born again, that know that they have a home in heaven. What about mental health in there? Are we going to find mental health problems within the church? Are we going to be able to look at the statistics and go one in four or one in ten or whatever it may be? Unfortunately, we can't. Because there isn't any statistics to look at. Why? Why? Are the problems not, don't exist? Are we complete, perfect in Christ, glorified, that we're not fighting with the flesh, that we don't fight against these thoughts, that we don't see the world as oppressive and see uh, the, the nature of this fallen world? We've got it all sorted. We don't suffer from this stuff. No, I don't think so. No, I can vouch for that. I'm going to talk about my own life during this. What's the problem? The problem is that the problems exist, but we're so good at hiding it. Touched on this a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? Oh, I'm good. I'm doing well. We hide these things. Why do we hide these things? Why? Here's what I want to say to you this morning. We hide them because there's a stigma attached For people who are born again, who have a home in heaven, to come and say, I am really struggling with my mental health. Because we think we shouldn't. And when we do, it's a failing in our faith. I know what the scriptures say. I know I'm saved. This can't be right. I don't want to share this. Because if I come into a church environment and I come and I see the pastor and I see the the people, everybody's got their smiley face on. They don't suffer with these problems like I do. And if I'm going to come and say this, then I'm going to stand out and they're going to look at me and go, are you even a Christian? Are you even a Christian? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? I've seen it. I've seen it. I have dealt with people that have lived a life of self-harm Because they have struggled, and I'm talking about just in family, generationally, struggled with severe mental health problems. And all they can think is it's something wrong with them. Their faith isn't strong enough. And somebody will come along and say, go and read these verses. You're saved. You're born again. Just get over it and get on. What's that do for that person? They live in a circle where they're constantly thinking they're not good enough that there's something wrong with them because they think these things at times and then we wonder why people don't want to come forward and be honest and open and share these things there's a stigma there's a stigma we know that we're new creations as christians we know what the bible says Therefore, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. All things have become new. We know these verses. But Paul talks about himself and he says, O wretched man that I am, 
things that I want to do, I can't. There's a sin nature in there that is still there, that we're fighting against. There's no argument against the scripture truth of our redemption. No argument at all. No, nobody in their right mind would ever dismiss that aspect. But to just say to somebody, you're redeemed, get over it. There's no help whatsoever. It's harm. They know they're redeemed. They know they're saved. But how they're feeling now, as opposed to those truths, are different things. Different things. Because the truth is, yes, we're redeemed. But we are not yet what we will be. We are stuck in this world between the now and the not yet. That one day we will be perfect. Thank the Lord. One day our thoughts will have no capacity for anything negative. None. One day our sin nature will be completely gone. Done, dusted forever. You will never, ever, when you stand in the presence of the Lord, ever able to be feeling down again. You know that. You'll not be able to do it. But in this world today, there's sometimes we cannot help ourselves from feeling that way. Because we're not what we will be. We are fallen people in a fallen world. Here's some facts about fallen people in a fallen world. Number one, the world is broken. It's broken. Number two, we're broken. We're not what we will be. Fact number three. The world one day will be fully restored from its brokenness. Fact number four. In and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will one day fully be restored, but not yet. Not yet. See, the brokenness of the world, that's easy to comprehend. God made everything, Genesis 1.31, he said it was very good. God made the world good. Then what happened? Sin came in. Romans tells us, Romans 8.22, that the whole creation groans as it waits the return of the Redeemer. That it will be restored, that the world that is broken will no longer be broken again. You'll see this in eschatology, the study of the end times, where you'll see as we move towards that point of perfectness that God starts to reverse the things that have happened in this world. This is during the kingdom. Things change, and we are going back to the garden. This world where uh, this earth that God created, where it works in harmony with us. The world's broken, but it will be fixed. But not yet. Now we're broken. Romans 5.12 tells us that through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin and death spread to all men because all sinned. We're broken. We're broken. But the whole person is broken. The whole person is broken. The Bible points us to the fact that we're a trinity. Body, soul, 
and spirit. That's the whole person. The whole person. We're not just a body, not just a soul, not just spirit. Now, again, if you're not born again here this morning, body and soul are operating. Spirit is separated from God. And that's your connection point with God. When you're born again, your spirit is made alive by God. And then body, soul, and spirit, there's a completeness to your person, but it's not the finished work. Body, soul, and spirit. So our brokenness in this world involves body, soul, and spirit. That's why the Lord Jesus, um, uh, bodily resurrection, bodily return. There's a redemption of the body, the soul, and the spirit in the eternal state. That's what lies ahead. So when we think about mental health, it's not just our mind. It's not just our soul. It's not just our spirit. They're all interconnected. We're unity. What's that mean, Pastor? It means. When your spirit, your walk with God is not what it should be, it'll affect other things. When your body is breaking down and it's hurting, it can affect your spiritual life. All interconnected. All interconnected. Body, soul, and spirit. And when we think about mental health, we have to address body, soul, and spirit. I mean, the secular world will do this. When somebody comes and they say, I'm struggling with mental health, the first thing they will say to them Straight off the bat is, are you doing exercise? Are you getting out? Are you walking? Are you doing this? They recognize there's a connection there. We should know as, as Bible-believing Christians that God has revealed to us that we are body, soul, and spirit. They're not disconnected things. That Ultimately, all these things are redeemed in our resurrection body. They're important, and we have to look after the health of each one. We have to minister to ourselves spiritually. We have to minister to ourselves physically. We have to address the issues of our soul. It's important in this balance. See, we've been redeemed, but we're not what we will be. We have to function in this world that's not what it will be either. It's a fallen world. We're fallen people that have been redeemed, but the best is yet to come. Absolutely it is. So what does that mean? It means that fallen people in a fallen world fall. The lost and the saved. The difference is our safety net about what will come will never let us go. But it is hard out there. It is difficult. What does Paul say, Romans seven eighteen, for I know that what's in me, nothing there's nothing no good thing, nothing good dwells within me. Because I want to do these things, but how to perform it, how to do what's good, I struggle. Why? Fallen world. It's fallen people. Redeemed, but yet the sin nature is still there. Dragging us down. Pulling us down. A world that's set up to pull us down. As believers, you know, your eyes are opened. You see, that's beautiful. But yet it's horrific. When you look out there, and you see... What it's like, where it's going, 
When you see those that you know and love that aren't saved where their destination is. Surely that should weigh on you. Surely you should think about that and be concerned. I know I wake up every day and I look at, uh, at the world and how it shakes a fist it's God and my heart grieves. I see. The lost person doesn't see that. We do. We do. These things weigh on us. So at times we will struggle. At times our feelings will deceive us. At times we're going to feel down. Sometimes we just have gone through circumstances in life that leave a mark. Sometimes these things just rattle around again and we're discouraged. And we know we love the Lord. We know we're saved, but we don't feel it. I think in churches we're happy to talk about acceptable issues for Christians. What's an acceptable issue? Oh, you know, I've got a loved one who's lost. Pray for them. Acceptable difficulties within the church come. You know, you know, I can't get rid of this habit or whatever it may be. But when it comes to talking about mental health, we have huge issues because of the stigma. Let me watch this little video before we go on. I believe all people with a mental affliction really want to be accepted, just like people with cancer or diabetes. But the stigma says that we're different from that because it's mental and not physical. Somebody I work with just last week, well, if you just pray to go away, your depression to go away. I said, no, it will not. It is a true physical condition. A mental health condition has no face. You would not know I had depression unless I told you. You would not know some of my other friends have bipolar, schizophrenia, unless they told you. It's unbelievable things that I did that I, I would never think about doing. I've been bullied a lot of my life by fear and anxiety, and I've allowed the bullying to continue for way, way too long. Bipolar disorder is hard to explain. It's, it's different for everybody. It looks different for everybody. And I think that leads to some confusion sometimes in the community. We need to find a way, as a society, but even as, as an individual, you need to find a way to switch and shift your thinking to, it's okay. It's okay to need help. And it's a good thing to get it. The conversations about ways and, and mental health have to be had to be able to break down the walls of this mistrust that persists in the communities. And someone's got to do it, so why not that someone be us? It's a real thing. It's a real thing. I dealt with a lady in our, our last church of reference before. We had to get involved in, in sectioner. Yeah, she's one of the most beautiful Christians you'll ever meet. Servant-hearted. But for years, she'd been told 
that it was her faith and lack of it that was causing these issues. That she simply needed to pray and it would go away. Doesn't negate praying. But these things are real. I think the Christian that suffers with this hasn't thought about praying <laughs> or reading the Bible. Here, take this verse off you go. So much more complex than that. And if we have this stigma that we're not able to accept that we're fallen people in the fallen world and not everything's working perfectly, then who's going to come and share? Who's going to come and share? I don't know about you, but if you've ever, and I don't want to touch on a raw subject, but if you've ever gone through, um, you know, knowing anybody that's committed suicide or, or whatever it may be, I know in, in the times that it's come in around my life and my environment, it was like, what? I didn't know they felt like that. Here and then gone. If they'd have just come and talked, what happens? Stigma. I won't talk about it. People aren't going to listen, they're going to judge me, they're going to mock me, whatever it may be. No different in the church. We're fallen people in the fallen world. And it's okay at times to be honest and say, Do you know what? I love the Lord. I know I'm saved, but I'm not feeling it. Can I just talk to you? Can I just talk to you? And not to get this. Stand here. I hit you with this. Till you get it. That you're saved, you're redeemed, that you've nothing to worry about. You shouldn't be thinking like that. But that's what we can do. And that person goes away. Not feeling loved. Not feeling listened to. But what? They go away thinking, my faith's not strong enough. Maybe I'm not even saved. Such a stigma when it comes to this. And when we get like that, when we behave like that, do you know what we do to that person? We push them into the hands of the enemy. And we allow him to be the voice that speaks to them. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul writes about Satan taking advantage of us. We shouldn't let him. We shouldn't be ignorant of his ways and his means and his devices. And one of the key things is isolation. I want, I want to do a second part in this, dealing with some triggers and treatment for dealing with our mental health. It's going to be a few weeks because I'm away, but I, want, I, I do want to do it. I've, I've done it kind of before in the church, looking at Elijah a little bit, but I won't do it again. I think it's important. Because that's one of the things the enemy wants to do. Isolate you. I can't come and share this with the, with the body. They're all okay. They're all happy every day. They all know they're saved and they're loving life. I can't come along and say, do you know what? I'm not loving life. Isolation. And the enemy starts to creep in. You sure you're saved? Look at all the other Christians. Look how happy they are. You sure you're one of them? Why is your God allowing you to feel like that? It's the voice of the enemy. But when we, when we as a church 
push people out into isolation, we leave them vulnerable. For adversary that walks to and fro like a roaring lion, what? Seeking whom he may devour. Not in the group, but those are on the outside that are isolated. That's his targets. You know, we all suffer from some form of mental health. There's good days, there's bad days. Sometimes our thinking is, is, is Christ-like. Sometimes our thinking is flesh-like. You look at the great preachers, pastors, songwriters of the past, you'll see their lives checkered. Spurgeon, for example. The prince of preachers. Listen to what he said. I suppose that some brethren neither have much elevation or depression. I could almost wish to share their peaceful life. For I am much tossed up and down. And although my joy is greater than the most of men, my depression of spirit is such as few can have an idea of it. Spurgeon. The man that would fill buildings. The man that had a relationship with God that enabled him to convey the word of God in in such a powerful way. He says, you know what? My life is ups and downs. I wish I could just be there, but this is me. This is what I deal with. This is who I am. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Now, we know that the ultimate answer for all of this is found in the sanctifying, saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's in him. So let's not, I'm not going to try and say that, you know, let's just medicate this away. That's not what I'm saying. Ultimately, the answer is in him. All answers are in him. How do I know that? He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. First letter, last letter of the alphabet. All knowledge contained and written in the alphabet. He is the answer to all things. No doubt about it. There are many scriptural truths that we can apply. Isaiah 61 verse 3, I love this, says to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Ever felt the spirit of heaviness? Put on the garment of praise. Put some music on. Praise. Put some worship music on. It's not worship, it's praise. (laughs) There's a difference between worship and praise. But we know what we mean. I'm not feeling it. But I know my God is good. I'm not feeling it. But I know my God will never let me go. There's so many scriptures to this. There's so many other practical elements. Talk to somebody. Exercise your body. Do what you can. Body, soul and spirit. Do some things you enjoy. Feed your soul. Nothing wrong with that. We're not to live a life as Christians, as as monks, where we deny everything. God has made this world and the things in this world that God has made for our enjoyment. Enjoy them. There are things that the devil has put up 
for our false enjoyment, avoid them. Body, soul, and spirit. So the problem is real. The problem is growing. What are we going to do to address this as a church? Now, I say all this, not from a distance, not from a, I've read this in a textbook, so therefore let me teach on this. I do this from a place where I've been there. And the times still go there. I'm going to be honest and open and real. Let me tell you some of my experience. Let me talk about my past life outside of Christ. Many of you know my testimony. Some of you don't. And we'll maybe tell it again in the church. But you know, a brief kind of synopsis is that um, I was into to drugs really at an early age. I fell in with people that were older. And that never goes well. So my friend's brothers. And got into... Uh, drugs at an early age, far too, far too early, really. And then kind of lived a, a lifestyle where it was all about that, really. Then my, my mother passed away, and uh, that sent me in a spiral. I was already connected in my paramilitaries with, with people that really I shouldn't have been around. And it just, out of control, out of control. Didn't grow up in, in church, didn't really know the... Uh, the truth of, of what Christ could do, you know, was filling a void really, and just things were just out of control. What I thought was a means of enjoyment was really just to try and escape the reality. That's why so many people do these things. The reality of what? The world's broken. The reality of the fact that we're broken. So let's just escape it, get away from it. And I know that, you know, the Bible's clear. Sin has consequences. You reap what you sow. A lot of my mental health issues are because of the drug abuse. Not everybody's mental health issues are because of what they've done. But some people's are. My minds are. But the grace of God was open. Praise the Lord. I came to know the Lord. February 2007. Started that journey was saved you know I was in a place that I was just totally desperate and the Lord brought people into my life and I was led to him that's my past life but then I'm saved I'm born again I'm this new creation this is my present life with Christ so you fast forward 16 years from that point of salvation this is my eighth year pastoral ministry. Drug free, praise God. Even starting to wean myself off caffeine because it's not very good for me. <laughs> that's, the tr- that's the truth. I'm not, I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm thinking about going caffeine free because it's affecting my sleep. Unbelievable. But there you go. I'm serving him sacrificially. I think I'm doing Romans 12.1. Could I do it better? Yes, but I still think I'm doing it. I have given up things for the Lord. I've moved our family round. Round and round we go. (laughs) Here, there and everywhere. I think I'm doing what the Lord would ask. His call upon my life. 
I believe I have answered and we as a family have answered. God has given me a beautiful family, beautiful wife. I mean that. Beautiful wife. She's punching above her weight, but... (laughs) Beautiful family. I love my kids. They're not perfect, but they're the light of our lives. It's given me a home, a roof over my head. He's brought me, connected me and Clara, both in with our with our own families, to be able to, to minister, to be an uncle to about 450 at the minute, I don't know how many, <laughs> and an auntie. Give me church family. Give me people in the Lord that will be eternal friends all over, all over the world, really. I know the word of God. Study it every week. Been to Bible college. Got my bachelor's in theology. I know all the theology. I know the truth. I know I'm saved. I've got all these things in my life. I should be happy all the time, right? Should be, shouldn't it? What more could I want? Should be smiles all the time. Here's the truth. It's not smiles all the time. There's days I have where I'm just done. I think I can't do this anymore. There's days that I have where I I feel disconnected from God. There's days that I have where my mental health gets on top of me. Yes, I'm redeemed. Yes, I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. I know all this. I believe it in my heart. But yet, there are still days. And I know that there will always be those days until the day of days comes when I will be what God has ordained that I will be. Redeemed and restored. See, my present life should look towards my promised life. That in those days, I remember that I'm a child of God. I remember what is written in 1 John 3, 2, that we are the children of God. It's not yet revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the Lord doesn't have down days. He doesn't have down days. Paul says that our affliction is but for a moment. And it's working in us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That we're moving towards the better days. We're moving towards the time where there will be no down days for us. One day, I know I'll be free from those battles. One day I know that the base nature that lives within me that keeps pushing me that way will be gone forever. But until that day, I hold on to my promised life in Christ. In the dark days, I cling to the promises of God. In the good days, I cling to the promises of God. 
I rest in his eternal love for me. That when he looks at me, he sees the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, I love him eternally and perfectly. He doesn't look at the way I'm feeling and say, you know what, I have no time for him. He looks at me and says, I love you. I cling to that. In the days when I'm struggling, I remind myself that God doesn't see me as a sinner, but a son. That he has saved me. And because he has saved me, that ultimately he will fix me completely one day. I'm protected, preserved, and provided for in him. That even in my darkest days, his word remains true. That he will hold me fast. That's what that song's all about. He will hold me fast. I know that there's brighter days coming. I know that there's a day coming when all will be fixed. But what I want to say to you this morning, saints, is in the here and now, between the now and the not yet, we have to realize that there are days when it's not all going 100%. There are days when we feel down that mental health does matter within the church and we have to, have to, have to acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge it. We're broken people in a broken world. And it's okay to say at times, you know what, I am not feeling it. It's okay. It matters that we acknowledge. It matters that we understand when somebody comes and says that. It matters that we seek as a church to foster an environment where people can come and say that. I don't want anybody to suffer alone. I don't want anybody to feel alone. I want people to be able to come and say, you know what, Pastor? I just can't get out of the way I'm feeling at the minute. Will you draw alongside me? Will you listen to me? Not judge me, not hit me over the head with the Bible, but help me. Maybe I do need a reminder of the promises of God. Maybe I just need an ear, some encouragement. It matters that we acknowledge, it matters that we understand, it matters that we seek, and ultimately it matters we're equipped as a church to deal with these things in a biblical way. And we send people off to the psychiatrist and the doctors and away you go and that's it. We want to deal with it in a biblical way. Then we can bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You may love your church, but at times you're not feeling it. I want to say to you, that's okay. And this is a place where it's okay to share that. And you won't be judged. You'll be loved and pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one day, it's all going to go away. Let's pray.